Good morning, everyone. We find ourselves in Genesis 45 today, and Joseph can no longer keep his identity hidden to his brothers. And it was very emotional for him to finally let his brothers know who he was. And they had to be just shocked. It says in verse 3, but his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. I mean, unbelievable they had already seen him a number of times and he was like ruling over them right and their life was in his hands and all of a sudden he's like i'm your brother and then maybe they even had to be concerned at first when he said that uh but listen to what joseph says it's it's good to read here and to take in the forgiveness and wisdom of joseph he says in verse 4, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves. Look at that. He's asking them to actually forgive themselves. Because you, you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. This is all part of God's plan. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. Look at the confidence of Joseph in his dream, and they had to be pretty amazed at that. How does he know, you know, that there's going to be five more years of famine? God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Even in the terrible circumstances that it happened, Joseph is still seen and proclaiming that, you know, God is the one who who essentially was behind this, orchestrating this, so that I could be here ahead of you guys. And he has made me a father to the Pharaoh and Lord over all his household and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph. Now, imagine that. He's going to send them back. And they're going to have to explain, you know, that Joseph's alive when they told him he was dead and devoured by wild beasts. So they're going to have to come clean, but it's such a, an amazing blessing that he's alive and that he is now preserving them that I think Joseph, excuse me, Jacob perhaps handled it well. It appears very much he did. He's just grateful that his son is alive. And the fact that they probably reiterated to their father, Jacob, what Joseph said that, you know, dad, somehow, even though what we did was so wrong, somehow God was behind it all because there's going to be seven years of drought and Jacob or Joseph's going to save us from this drought. And it, it, you know, so it was like double good news. Joseph's alive and you know, he sent back, as you saw, Joseph sent back wagons and food from the land. And so, I mean, it, there was so much good news to report that it was probably a little bit easier to confess their sin because there was so much good that was being shared with it. But man, that had to be a difficult conversation. I, I thought verse 15 in Genesis 15 was interesting, or Genesis 45, 15, it says, he kissed all his brothers and wept on them. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. You know, Joseph kind of gave a pretty long speech there. And then finally, they just start talking to his brothers. Man, what was that? Like, Joseph, how did this happen? 
this is unbelievable. How did you get in this position? And they, they talked and they caught up and, and they were beginning to be a family again. Uh, the other thing that really I, I took note of is that when Pharaoh heard, it's like, oh, what's Pharaoh going to think of all this, right? And notice how Pharaoh just wanted to bless Joseph and Jacob's family. And, you know, that blessing upon the Abrahamic family is so strong. I mean, God is just orchestrating events to bless the family of Abraham, to make them fruitful and multiply. I mean, there are so many things that are against all odds, whether it be the famine or their own deception, their own wickedness. But no matter what, he just keeps blessing them. And, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, one of the debates at our church, um, and I think we handle it pretty well, but we have some people who don't believe that the church is going to get raptured before the tribulation. And the tribulation is going to be a really, really, really bad time on earth. And for those who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, which I lean that way, would mean that the church is going to be blessed and going to be raptured so that they don't have to face the tribulation. And the Jews, essentially Abraham's family, because of their rejection and their failure to live up to the Mosaic covenant that is going to come later, we believe they're going to experience the tribulation and that some of them will have the opportunity to come to Christ during the time of the tribulation. It'll be a time where more Jews will come to Christ during that time. In fact, many Jews have, because of the truth of the gospel, have come to, to Christ you know, over the last you know, 2,000 years. But when, when I see this amazing blessing on Abraham's family and to know, know that as the church, because Abraham believed in was accredited righteousness, now when we believe in Jesus, we're accredited righteousness. We become part of and receive the promise and the blessing that was given to Abraham's family. And right now, Israel's cut off from that promise because they've rejected the Messiah. So to me, this immense blessing that you see on Abraham's family, even despite their, their waywardness at times, tends to lean to me to, to why I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, there, there are so many other reasons, but I just believe there's that much blessing upon his body, his church, his church family. And that just as he protected and blessed Abraham, he's, he's looking out for his church. And, and, and that's another reason why I believe that we are going to be raptured before the time of the tribulation. And the Jews who've rejected Jesus, who have been cut off, and you can see how they would be deserving of receiving that time because they've rejected the Messiah. So that's a side note, but <clears throat> moving on in this. Uh, so now the wagons go back and they go back to get Jacob and bring him. And listen to what Joseph says. Uh, so he sent his brothers away as they departed, verse 24. He said to them, do not quarrel on the journey. Um, <coughs> excuse me. For those of you who know, I've been sick for a while but I'm on the road to recovery. Um, hopefully you can tell in my voice that it's a little bit better today. Do not quarrel on the journey. Boy, does he know his brothers, eh? He's like, oh man, what are they going to argue about on the way home? What are we going to tell dad? How are we going to tell him? You know, what if dad says this? And 
he's like, listen, don't quarrel on the journey. And, uh, and it doesn't appear that they did. And they come back and they tell Jacob the good news. Joseph is still alive. And he's, he's excited to, to go back and see Joseph before he dies. What a, what a glorious story. But there's a lot more that I want to say that I think we can learn from this. Um, you know, let me, let me quote the verse exactly the way it's written. I'm going to turn in the Bible to Romans 8.28. Um, Romans 8.28. And those of you are familiar with, with it already, I'm sure. Um, but I want to I want to say it right. I know it, but I just feel like what if I say it slightly wrong? So Romans eight twenty eight. This is out of the NASB ninety five, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Let me sit, read that again. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, and to those who are called according to his purpose. So it says that God causes all things to work for good. It doesn't mean that all things are good. It just means that God can make good things happen from anything. So like having Joseph's brother sell him into slavery, from a Human perspective, even before God, that was not a good thing, right? And then to lie to their dad that he died, that was not a good thing. But can God cause good to come of it? And it says, to those who are called, excuse me, to those who love God. So that's an important factor. Do you love God? And to those who are called according to his purpose, are you wanting to live for the purpose of God? See, so let's say something bad happens to you. Maybe something evil, something in the world, something bad really happens. And it's bad. It's, it's legitimately bad. But if you love God, and if you are called to the purpose of God, if you want to live for God and you love God, he can take something that happened that was bad, and he can make good come from it. Now, this is not a promise to everyone. This is a promise to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. You know, when bad things happen, you can live in bitterness and resentment your entire life, and it can wreck your life. You can focus on what happened bad, and it can throw you off forever, and you can die that way. So not everything works out for the good, but things do work for the good, or good can come from it for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Oh, man, I just have so much going on in my mind, so many positive stories. You know, a bad habit I have is that um, social media. I mean, a lot of times in the morning, I mean, you guys know it's 535 right now. So obviously I already spent time in the Word before I talk to you guys. But I get up early. So I, a lot of times I'll check what's my messages, you know, check my emails, check my social media, which is, is not great. But I'm just being honest with you. I do that a lot of times. That might start at like 4 in the morning because I just get up so early. Well, anyways. Uh, this morning it worked out for God's glory. I think there's a a girl, I won't mention her last name, but her name is Isabella, and I knew her when she was a baby, and she was from a family who struggled, and I I rented to them an apartment that I owned at one time, and ministered to them back in the day, um, 
witnessed to them, tried to help their family out, stuff like that. This is, gosh, this is going back over 20 years ago. Well, she had some kind of cancer um, tumor, almost died, this little girl. And, uh, but she survived. They had surgery and she survived. And this morning, her mom uh, reposted a post on Facebook about her. And it was like an employee post. So the company was posting about Isabella as one of the, her employees and talking about all the nice qualities that Isabel has as an employee. She's in her 20s now, and I think maybe even has a kid from what I saw. But she works for those who are, she works in a job where she works for the disabled. Um, I don't know that it's a, a Christian ministry, but she's serving the disabled. Isn't that interesting? I just thought it was kind of cool. Like this girl who grew up, you know, having a really severe problem, almost died young, and now she has a heart to work for those who are disabled. Um, I just think that was an example of God using something that was hard for her, but gave her a compassionate heart. And now she's serving those who who have need, you know. It's just, just a picture of this, you know. Um, I went through one of my hardest relational challenges. Um, my first job in ministry was with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I loved that job, and I, I loved that ministry. And I worked there two years, but the guy who hired me, who I knew, uh, he really did not want to hire me. I kind of felt called to go into ministry, let him know, and I, I don't even think he necessarily wanted to hire me looking back. But anyways, I went to work for him, and... uh I was very entrepreneurial. I was young, had had a successful real estate career for 11 years. And um, I wanted to go and, and like, you know, grow the ministry and stuff like that. And uh, him and I just did not see eye to eye. It was just a really, really challenging situation. I, I was young. I mean, I don't I mean, I wasn't really that young, honestly. It was 2004. So what was I? I don't know, I was in my young low 30s, but still, we were just like oil and water together, and it didn't work out, and after two years, uh, I had raised a bunch of money, and uh, ah, long story, I won't, I won't get into all of it, but I left, um, and that's when I started the Campus Way, which wasn't a plan, I wasn't planning on starting Campus Way, which was a youth campus ministry, but um, I needed to do something to get away from that situation and anyways it was very painful um you know i had had a lot of donors and and then to have to explain why i'm leaving this ministry and you know probably was out there that i was at odds with my boss and now i'm going back into a ministry where i have to raise funds and i had left a bunch of money behind at that other ministry that i had already raised so now donors are questioning me why was there this problem? Blah, blah, blah. It was a huge trial, um, very difficult thing. And I was I was pretty bitter and angry at my old boss. Um, and it took a, a God thing to really help me to forgive. Uh, there's probably still, honestly, like I have to keep re-forgiving because there's probably times where you think back on it and you think, you know, but, but, but I, here's what I want to say to you. 
I do feel like it was all like God used it all for good. Like he taught me about forgiveness for one. Number two, um, perhaps that wasn't God's will for me, that ministry. And, you know, maybe I wouldn't have started a church like I have now. Um, maybe the campus way wouldn't have started. So it's like, it maybe you would say, okay, that what situation like wasn't good. There was two, two people who were both Christian who are not getting along. So you'd say, well, that's not good, right? But yet, if you love God and you're called according to His purpose, even though something didn't go right, God can still work things out for the good. And now I've I've had a you know two ministries, not not anymore. I'm still just doing the church now, but. You know, I had a youth campus ministry that had a great run for, you know, well over a decade and now a church since 2009. And, and you know, so so perhaps that's not where I was supposed to be, was there. And, and God has allowed a lot of other things to develop that maybe wouldn't have as a result of that. So I just got to look back on that and say, you know, God, I thank you for all that I went through and that you saw me through it. Um, thank you, Lord, for, for just seeing me through you know, um, I mentioned this one last testimony, uh, briefly I'll share with you is that, you know, when I was thinking of going into ministry, um, some of you read my book, uh, I, I want, I was feeling led to go into ministry, but again, I, I was doing sales, doing real estate, blah, blah, blah. But I, I had started investing in the stock market and investing very aggressively because I was thinking I wanted to go into ministry. And I didn't have a lot of understanding about how to manage money rightly. Uh, I was foolish, really, investing into individual stocks in an, an aggressive nature and hoping, you know, and at first it was working um, to make a lot of money. And then, hey, now I can go into ministry. And uh, unfortunately, I lost a lot of money. And this was in the year 2000. But, you know, what's amazing is that uh, within two years of losing that money, maybe three at max. I think it was really only two, but I set a path to full-time ministry. And it wasn't because I made a lot of money. It was because I lost the money. Like losing the money actually reorchestrated or repositioned my life to go into ministry quicker. Because instead of relying on myself to go into ministry, I realized I was going to have to be like everybody else and, and and raise money to go into ministry. And it's like God pulled that money away to direct me toward his calling. Now, I don't look at it as like, I'm so glad I lost that money. Like I wish I wouldn't have right back then. It was a hard thing for my wife and I, but God causes all things to work to the good, to those who love him. And who are called according to his purpose. So God used it for good. And and I do look back and I say, you know, thank thank you, God, for being in my life and guiding my steps in my path, even through my mistakes, and still, you know, using me and positioning me to be used in ministry. So, you know, um, whatever we've gone through, look back on it, and maybe you'll be able to see because you love God. And because you're called according to his purpose, maybe be able to see the hand of God and how he's helped you and saw you through. Or maybe maybe you still regret or are resentful about something that happened to you in the past.
but maybe now take it to the Lord in a new way and say, God, I don't want to live in bitterness and resentment. I, I believe you can cause that to work to the good. And I'm going to choose to love you now. And I'm going to choose to live according to your purpose now. And maybe it's even now and in the future that God will take whatever happened to you in your past and he will He will help you to see how he is and how you can use it for good so that you can be used for the glory of God. You know, in our series right now at church, we're looking to become more like Jesus and to bear fruit. That's what he has us here to do. And, and if we know that that's, if we, if we know the purpose of God, if we know that he wants us to look more like him and that he wants us to live to bear fruit, knowing that purpose and embracing that makes it more likely that he can take that hurt and that difficulty and shape us through it to be more like him and to bear more fruit for his kingdom. So um, I believe God is, he, if you're still taking air this morning, God's still doing a work in you. And, and he wants to help you to become more like him. And he wants to use you more for his glory. Go to him, ask him how he can, you know, use you in the future and shape even the challenges of your past to make you a better man or woman of God. God bless you all.